Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The kind of old-fashioned cop who preferred working the streets and making arrests to taking tests toward promotion. He was the closest thing New York had to a dirty Harry. This is One Tough Podcast on the OG Podcast Network. Here's your host, Bo Deedle. Welcome to One Tough Podcast. I'm joined here, like always, with Carlo. Hello. Today, we have a guy here that I know when he was a little boy. True. And uh, he, I would think, is the epitome of a real New Yorker. Everybody calls me a New Yorker, real New Yorker. Aton Sugarman, to me, is the profound New Yorker. He, as a young boy, used to hard-nodge around with my best friend, Charlie Camello, God rest his soul. And he met them all. And then he put together this sports memorabilia, chasing stars and getting signatures. <laughs> and he then became an entrepreneur. He became best friends with the biggest people in entertainment and the sports world. For instance, uh, Derek Jeter and that other guy that I love. What's his name? I think you're talking about Justin Timberlake. I, I Did you know who Justin Timberlake is, son? Yeah, I think that's I, I think everybody Of course, I'm yeah. talking about Justin Timberlake. <laughs> but you you have a remarkable life, Aton, right. and I'm real excited. I've tried to get you on the Thank show you. before. Thank We've you. had everybody here. Yeah. yeah I mean, like You're doing great. I'm very proud of you Soup the nuts. The show's taking yeah. off. But the reality here today is we got to have one moment, because today we wouldn't be here. Mm. We'd be all speaking German. D-Day. If it wasn't for the brave... Not just Americans, Canadians, British, Damn. a Allied command attack. People don't realize the first wave on Omaha Beach, 90% of the soldiers were yeah. killed on the beach, coming off the boat. The paratroopers hitting the back, something like 80% of the 101 Airborne were shot when they're coming out of the sky. These guys put their lives on the line yeah. against enormous odds of these Nazis. And in reality, you have to take a moment because this ain't bullshit. This is real deal, what they did that day. I mean, imagine sitting in one of those LSD, that's a landing ship dock, and you're sitting in there, you hear all the shooting and all that. Now you're watching guys dying all around you, and you're trying to get to the cliffs, and you're saying, where that? why did we do this with 6,000 ships? I mean, something like 12,000 planes. This was so enormous, and I just wanted a moment to thank all did those people. you see people. the article in the post today? There was a, there was a survivor, uh, one of the... One yes. Of the, the chef or the yes. cook, yes. he said that a lot of the troops went in unarmed. They didn't have enough guns for everybody. That's they crazy. Still, they stormed there unarmed. And, and they were was... taking the guns of the guys that were dead on the right. ground. Yeah. And this is, I mean, this is bravery and this is valor that can't even be put into it's, words. It's, it's, you know? be, it's beyond anything yeah. because of what they were facing there. And I mean, you know, they, a lot of people don't know they had the Germans had these tiger tanks that had something like six inches of armor. They were blowing our tanks up. I think we had something like 10,000 pieces of armored equipment, but they were able to blow our tanks up and 
wow, they were embedded in there. They had six-foot wall concrete in their little bunkers, and uh, we won that time. And, you know, I just when people start complaining about bull crap, I say to myself, could we ever – mobilized the way we did in World War II today with all this division in our country, everybody crying about, I want this, I want that, I don't want to work for it, I want this, I want free that. Would would we be able to mobilize today, Aton, and get a really fighting army today like we did in World War II? I, I wonder, because I went through the Vietnam era, and it was horrific about these poor people, uh, these poor people that went into the service, little 17, 18-year-old kids, and they were spat upon when they came home. And I mean, could we do it today? Could we mobilize? Because right now, we don't have any allies. All of Europe has been overtaken by these Syrian refugees. Every city in Europe is going through horrific criminal uh, uh, actions with these people that came over with, with, with from Syria. Could we mobilize today to save anybody? We've got to save ourselves. Well, I think the bigger question here is, let me ask you guys, why do you think patriotism isn't the same today as it was back then? I don't know. Please tell me what you think. I, I don't I don't have an answer for it. I love this country. Yeah. And this morning I watched from the real early in the morning all the all the television there on the D Day and it just made me feel more patriotic yeah. and I wear I wear flags since I since nine eleven. I always wear this beautiful yeah. flag. And I, I, I still have patriotism, but I just wonder the younger generation. Now we're finding out through our southern border, I think they had hundred and thirty thousand Migrants just coming through there that they captured in the in the month of May, 130,000. Now they're saying that there's Asians from China, there's Cubans, there's Assyrians. When's the next 9-11? The, the country's going to be infiltrated. We don't know who's here. I mean, it's not a political Republican, Democrat, and everybody makes it into a political bullcrap for the division. No, it's known who's here. Who do we have in our country? Because everyone doesn't love America the way we do it. Some people are coming here to hurt us. I think we've seen uh, we've seen too many examples of that being true, unfortunately. All right. We're not going to stay on the negatives. I just want to thank everyone that's still alive who who fought that day on, on June 6, 1944. Thank you for letting us have our free country. Thank you. And for everyone service. should think about it. Thank you for your service. And thanks for all the military that's still out there today. Absolutely. We have a great military. Absolutely. Thank everybody. And now we're going to talk about Aton Sugarman. Because right. Aton, I met, how old were you? About nine when I first met you? How old were I you? Say nine. Uh, I was about 16 when I met you. And my friend Charlie Camell, you never got yeah. the privilege of meeting him. The Good coolest number. guy in the world. He introduced yeah. me, Charlie, to Frank Sinatra. We yeah. had Rocco Maselli. He used to call him Rocco the Thief. He's still alive. Oh, I think he's 94. Yeah. Rocco the Best. He used to introduce me to everybody from yeah. Frank Sinatra to uh, Sammy Gravano to uh, else he introduced me to Gas Pipe Queso. Everybody used to hang out in his jewelry store. You had the mob. You had the entertainers. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of interesting names in the same sentence for Sinatra. <laughs> but it's true, it right? Is, it is true. Yeah, Louis Dome, Jilly Rizzo, everybody. Yeah. But the, the thing was, Charlie Camella, he owned a steel company, Fedco Steel. Nicest guy in the world. Best. Most beautiful Best. guy. He would pick up the checks Always. for 15 guys every night. I stopped one night. I told him I was a cop, and we used to go out to dinner all the time, and I used to meet at Marmondo's. Then we'd go out to dinner, and I go, I can't go out anymore, Charlie. 
And he's, he says, why, Bo? I said, I can't pick up the check. I'm, you know, I'm not making that much money, and you pick up the check. He says, that's bullshit. Yeah. He goes, you come out with me, Bo. You're my guest. He was a guest everywhere. Vic Damone. Remember the famous singer Vic Damone? I used to call him America's guest. And then when Charlie was affected by the terrible cancer where he yeah. only had a little short time to he had, live. He had the stroke first. And then he right. He had yeah. the stroke, and then he only had a short time to live, and we put together a party over in New Jersey. Yeah, by the way, I'm going to start from with that. <laughs> that might have been one of the better moments of your life. That was, that was one of the most selfless things you ever did. When you, you, so this was one of our best friends in our life, and he was like a second father to Bo. And he, he was approaching the end of his life, and shortly thereafter, he was approaching the worst part of cancer, where oh, the man. disease ravaged, Pain ravaged bad. you. And he wanted to do a party for Charlie while he was still having a good quality of life. And he rounded up a group of about 150 of his friends. And he did this one moment where everyone stood up and took the mic and talked about the influence that he had on their lives. Everyone's life. And it was such a, a beautiful, beautiful you, moment. You did, there was something you didn't yeah. even know about. Vic Damone, a famous singer. Yeah. Charlie was his best man when he married the, uh, what was her name, uh, the singer? Uh, Diane Carroll. Diane Carroll. Charlie had a wing at his house in Forked River, New Jersey. Sure. And all of a sudden, I call up Vic Damone. He was in South Jersey, and he was married to Ren Rowan at that time, very wealthy woman. And uh, he goes, he starts talking like this. He goes, I don't think I can make it, Bo. I says, Vic, you're coming to Charlie's party. Yeah. I don't know if I can make it. I says, you better get here, Vic. I know two of your wives died mysteriously. I'll investigate <laughs> it. I hang the phone up. <laughs> I actually threatened him that if he don't yeah. come, I was going to reinvestigate he shows up there, and he, he's telling every He did show up, and that's all I cared about. That made Charlie so happy. Yeah. And I don't think your friend Lasorda showed up. Tommy had that heart attack a week and a half before. Yeah. So, yeah, but uh, we had this party. I did it for it Charlie yeah. and one other guy, Cy Stewart, was a mm. famous uh, uh, fashion guy, started Terry Lundgren from Macy's, yeah. everybody. Again, toward the end of his cancer, we had it at Sparks, and I brought everybody, Dan Marino, everybody. Yeah. It's just like a thing when someone that you know is going away, a great yeah. person. What a wonderful thing to make a— It's a great a, lesson. A, it's a, a great a, lesson to make sure you tell yeah, them. Yeah, because— what's the point of crying at their funeral? Right. Tell them while they're here. Send yeah. them off, and we had such a yeah. great night that I have a victim almost looking at me like, oh, God rest his soul, Vic passed away. But yeah. I did threaten him that if he didn't get there, I was going <laughs> to reinvestigate the deaths of his two wives. A little mysterious, a little bit, but Vic is gone. God bless him. <laughs> I love them, and that's it. But let's talk about yeah. more about Mysterious so we, circumstances. So we meet, and probably it was the yeah. late 70s, I would say, right? No, it was the late 70s, <laughs> no. Uh, we we met. I'm, I just turned forty five. You and I you sure met. You were nine when I was. I'm, I'm, I'm sure. I might have looked nine. Where did we meet? We met at Rayo's. I was either. I was. I think I was just seventeen because I was. I was in the baseball car business. I was assisting Tommy Lasorda. He brought me to Rayo's. That's where I met you and I met Charlie. And yeah, I was. Well, I was Charlie a, was a Wednesday was a night. I'm a Thursday night. Uh, yeah, so it was either Wednesday or Thursday, Carl. Yeah. So uh, how did you get to meet Tommy Lasorda when you were? I met kid? Tommy because I was in. That business, I was in the sports car at a memorabilia bell as a kid, and that's that was what I did, and I actually made a, a good living doing it. Uh, my good friend, Mead Chasky, used to manage Tommy, and Tommy would come to town, and we would pick him up at the airport, and we would show from all the you know, he, was, he was managing the Dodge at the time, so he was a very busy guy, and he got to really like me, and uh, that's it. He would come to town, and I'd be his assistant, and he would find things for me to do, and he'd get a commercial, and he'd make them you know, pay me a fee, et cetera, et cetera, and... Uh, to this day, he's like a, he's just like a second father to me. And the truth is, he that relationship uh, 
kind of paved the path for my life because all so I met so many people that changed Through the course. Tommy. No question. Charlie, you, a myriad of other people. And, and those relationships blossomed. And it, and it also changed my outlook on life because being friends with so many grownups and not kids uh, made me behave a certain way. And I always wanted these guys to, to like me and, and respect like guys like Bo and guys like Charlie and Tommy, like having their respect as a kid was so important to me that I wanted to behave and carry myself. So I was like this 17, 18 year old kid that would wear suits because I wanted those guys to respect, respect me and, and feel like I was an adult. And it, it absolutely changed the course of my life. So you're always entrepreneurial. So yeah. did, did that uh, just manifest itself by baseball cards or were you interested in baseball and then the entrepreneurship came after? Uh, listen, I loved baseball. I loved sports from the time I was a little kid. I also School was not my thing from the youngest age. Me neither. Yeah. I mean, that's, I always, my mother and I always have this story about the first day, first day of kindergarten. And she walked me. She, I was the happiest kid up until the first day of kindergarten. And she walked and told me she was going to leave. And I broke out sobbing, crying like a little girl. I felt that way about school up until the day I dropped out. When I was 16, I was literally I was selling my cards. I was selling, and I was making a man size income. I was literally making two, three thousand dollars a week. Wow! Wow! Yeah, this was in the beginning of that industry. There's a, a magazine called Sports Collectors Digest, and you know, you would. It started from a place of love. You would have, you'd buy these packs of cards, and you would have. Okay, I have you know, fifteen Mackie Sasses. I don't need fifteen of these. I keep three. I want to get this, so I'd, I'd take an ad out, and I never forget the first ad that I took. I sold the ad cost five dollars, sold like one hundred and twenty three dollars, which. Can we are 14 is all the money in the world. It's an unbelievable thing. And I realized that there was a business here and it was a business where I could do what I loved. And it further, it further pushed me towards not paying attention to in school, which I hated. And I was, you didn't need it. Listen, I was a bad kid. I wasn't a bad kid that got into legal trouble. I was just a bad kid that didn't pay attention to school because I honestly, I never thought I was going to amount to anything in school. And I really thought that this is what I wanted to do. Needless to say, my parents weren't thrilled about it. But at 16, you can legally drop out of school of your own volition. You can do that. I was 16. I barely had freshman credits. I had saved about forty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000, which was, back then was, <laughs> real, money. was real money. I had another friend of mine in the industry that had several apartments on First Avenue, and he offered to rent me one for $550 a month. I told my parents, I go, listen, I'm really prospering in this business. This is what I want to do is what, what I love. What year are we talking about now? I'm 16. So I guess I'm born in 74. So what is that? 90? I guess that's 90, yeah. right? So I told him that my, my father says, okay, well, if you're going to do that, you're not living it. You drop out, you're not living this house. Well, I'm, I'm glad you said that because <laughs> my friend has this apartment that he's willing to, and I'm 16 years old and I got my own apartment and never moved back. So you, you started with the, the sports memorabilia yeah. at that time? Yeah. The, and I, I know I've talked to people many times yeah. who used to wait out in front of hotels when you knew they were there. Well, you know, like that whole, yeah, I mean, it's funny. That whole business has gotten out of control. It started during that era. That's the, yeah. that's the amazing thing. Like young guys like me and me and like, if we had been a little older and we'd had our act together, yeah, well, you we would have. I, I got to give one, one group credit, like Steiner. Yeah, finest sports. He, I mean, they. He, he had a bad week this week. Oh, uh, you hear about uh, this? I personally know about it. I don't yeah. want to get into it. By the way, uh, I give him a ton of credit. No, no. What he, he did, what he did was yeah. he put 
some more credibility to this. Well, no, oh, no, listen, That's he he about. helped build the industry. He absolutely helped. Like about get four or five star, guys did. Yeah, one no question. Star and he would have signings. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. You knew this stuff. You, the guy sitting right sure. there and takes your picture yeah. as he signs it. I mean, yeah. there's no doubts about it. They 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 built an industry yeah. creating real values for yes. this stuff. Absolutely, Brandon's a pioneer in this industry. Whatever. Happens. Now. He's an absolute pioneer in this industry. Deserves a ton of credit. And by the way, he's a very nice guy. Um, yeah. yeah. So then you started doing that, but yeah. you continued. And this is all pre-internet too. So just all pre-internet. That, so you're doing this, this all, through this these all magazines like these little, and shows. And- this is all like little magazines, shows, things like that. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is the absolute infancy of the industry where the biggest companies were – 20 people in some little crappy office. You were doing you know? some stuff with nightclubs too. When did that you was, start with that, the nightclubs? No, that, that was later on. So I also bartended. Uh, when I was 18, there was a bar in my parents' old neighborhood on 73rd Street called the P&G Cafe. Uh, I knew that family well. And I asked my friend to teach me how to bartend. I would have done this for free. It was the most fun I ever had in my life. Because uh, again, you know, I was a kid that wanted to feel like an adult. And here I was mm. behind a bar and I'd have... You know, like well, you grown know, ups. It just you hold know. that look. Yeah. You know, when I was younger too, mm-hmm. when I first, I used to, I had big worth work ethics. I yeah. started working when I was uh, delivering newspapers when I was seven, eight years sure. old and sweeping out factories because yeah. if I didn't work, I had no money. And then I'll never forget when I, I hit 16 years of age and then you had what they call draft card, but you could type it right in there, yeah. put the date on there. I used to dress up in a suit. I used to go into uh, the Jimmy Wesson's, the Blue Angel, and I was I wasn't a cop yet, yeah. but I'd wear a suit. And I'll never forget. I met I met Frank Gifford's ex wife, beautiful blonde at that time. She yeah. was young then, mm-hmm. and uh, she picked me up when I was only sixteen years old. Wow! In a, in, in a, <laughs> I must in have a felt bar. good. But I I used to wear a suit, yeah. dressed to the nines. Yeah. Every bit of my money I would spend on clothes. Yeah. I would iron my own shirt with Niagara spray stocks. I used to, to make do my that shirts too. and all that. I used to do that. I knew that how to sew. Yeah. I knew how to cook. I knew how to <laughs> do everything. But I always wanted to. Be part of that, and I'll never forget too. Copain's restaurant sure. on First Day Avenue. You, if you watch the French Connection, yeah, that's sure. where they were eating the chef. By the way, I, I bought this restaurant thirty yeah, years later. Yeah, that's why I'm bringing yeah, it up. Go ahead. But uh, the thing is that it's just funny yeah. that Copain's restaurant was the restaurant where they had the frog from France, and they were eating the, They were slicing the Chateaubriand. And I had to go there. Yeah. And I had to. I had to eat the same way they did. And then after that, uh, uh, yeah, Aton, you know, you so you you started in the club. You were bartending. Well, right? I, I bartended first, not in clubs. I bartended there. Then later on, I kind of really got to know the ins and outs of of what it was to own a bar because my friend was buying it from his father, and it was a really great. It was a legendary place. Like it was in Donnie Brasco. It was in a bunch of movies. It's called a and G Cafe. If you go online, you could see it. it looks like a classic Still New there? York place. No, unfortunately. Like a lot of other places in New York, the lease yeah. ended and the landlord was greedy and, and it's gone. Uh, but I loved it. And then I would just started going out and hanging out and going to clubs. Uh, I met a guy who would later on become my partner. He owned a club called 151 on 50th Street and 3rd Avenue. Uh, I, through Tommy, met a bunch of guys that were in the starting, were the starting lineup of the Yankees in 96, before the whole dynasty era started, right? Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, so, needless to say, it was very good for a nightclub to have those guys patronize in, their yeah. place. So, you know, a young Derek Jeter and a young Charlie Hayes, that are like, we'd all go over there and we'd spend a lot of time yeah, there. Yeah, this was before Derek Jeter was Derek Jeter. Correct. He was just a young ball he player. He was a young guy with a strange haircut, you know? And uh, <laughs> Sorry, Derek. 
Um, so uh, it absolutely changed the dynamic of that club. And then the whole dynasty era happened, and the Yankees were the hottest thing in sports. And you remember this. They had yeah. one in God knows how many years, and it was a big deal. They beat the Braves in six. And uh, <clears throat> I became very friendly with the owner because, I mean, it, it – took his nightclub from being an average nightclub to this was the place, I mean, that the Yankees went after the World Series, et cetera, et cetera. And it became known as the Yankees hangout. And it made this, you know, midtown corporate nightclub into this really hot space. So when you space. used to bring them in, how yeah. would they, you had, to, you had to bank money off of it. I didn't. That's, honestly, God, at the time, I was, really? I was happy just being treated a certain kind but of way. But then you would develop a yeah, relationship. I would, if I owned a joint, you helped my that was it. then you that need was something that goes back and forth. I always felt I'd walk in like, you know, Henry Hill at the Copa. Like, I, <laughs> I, yeah, you know, I, would, I was treated like a superstar. I never paid for a drink. I got great tables. They treated my guys well. It was really about that. Then when I got to be really friendly with the owner, I said, you know, I would love to get involved in this. Uh, I was, we were in the process of buying into the place. He got into a big... His partners were really annoying guys. They didn't appreciate any of the stuff that I did. And it, was, it wasn't even an opinion. I mean, you looked at where the, the change in the numbers from the time I started bringing all my business there. And you weren't a, even charging. To, to a year later. And it was dramatic. It was like millions. It was dramatic. And finally, my partner, Ronnie, goes, you know, one of the two of us do our own club. And that's what happened. We opened a club on 23rd Street called Suede, which was a, a, a great success. We were open for four years. We sold it. To a good friend of ours. Uh, and then this is where Copan comes in. And that's when you decide to open up. Uh, well, yeah. Copan was finished. Copan so was finished. 50 it turned into first. a Chinese restaurant. Turned, first, it turned into Tony Roma's. Then it turned into a yeah, Chinese I restaurant. Tony Roma, I remember the Chinese. Yeah. And then you opened up uh, an yeah. Italian restaurant. Yeah. Yeah. So I opened an Italian restaurant called Destino. Uh, you actually, robbed the uh, chef from Rails. Yeah. Figured they have the best food in the world. Why not rob the chef and his son? And I wouldn't have used the word rob, but okay. Okay. He so, uh, yeah. acquired. Acquired is a good word. Okay. But why not open a restaurant with proven people like that? Sure. Not, not the worst in the world, but, you know, yeah. you get a little bit of reputation of taking people that do things and taking them away. I wonder know? where we're going with this. <laughs> so, uh, so, so it's a funny thing. So, I, yeah. do, I do love you, Aitana. I love you. I, mean I love that. you very much. I really very mean much. I know you. Do. I'm I know so you. happy you're here because you. your story, is, as Thanks. we continue, well, is a real New York story. Yeah. Go ahead. So, yeah. So um, it's true. I met uh, in all my time going to Rayo's. I, I got to know the chef. I got to know his son. The chef kept saying he was going to retire in a couple of years. Kept saying that. Uh, and then I talked to his son. I said, listen. This is the hardest table in all of New York and certainly one of the hardest in the country. In the world. <laughs> I said, if you could get your father to be the chef at our restaurant, we're going to have a runaway hit on our hands. Talks to his father. His father goes, okay, I'll do it, but I'm only going to do it for two or three years. And I'm only going to do it because it's you guys. I talked to Charlie, uh, and I asked him his permission. And Charlie spoke with Frankie. And he said, because it's Charlie's, it probably would have been an unpretty situation had it not been for Charlie and for Bo and but Frankie was a gentleman Frankie is the owner of Rayos who's passed since yeah. he was a gentleman about it he even came in and wished us good luck uh, and I saw him on a plane I would say two years ago maybe three years ago actually uh, I saw him on a plane come back from Vegas he was very nice about it um, he didn't have to be the truth is the chef came over um, it still it wasn't the greatest situation the chef once he got there didn't really feel like making Rayo's food anymore. Uh, and like a lot of the classic dishes, a lemon chicken, all the stuff that Rayo's is famous for, we ended up not 
doing a lot of those. And it wasn't meatballs changed. Too. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't the best relationship, um, and it wasn't the best situation. But uh, yeah, it was the chef from Rayos, and and it had that. It had a lot of potential, and it just never reached that potential. Yeah, unfortunately, I ended up selling it to them, their family. Opened up Southern Hospitality with my partners, Justin Timberlake, et cetera, et cetera. We opened that right in that time frame. That was 12 years ago. Southern went strong. We opened up a couple of locations in Denver. Unfortunately, the company we opened it with Denver went bankrupt. And in that bankruptcy, they took those locations too, which is a shame. Um, it was basically, it's a Southern concept of bringing Memphis-style barbecue to New York. Very successful. Everything was good. Uh, and then uh, I opened Hunt and Fish Club. Uh, my which steak, is doing great. Which is great. We're, we're going to be five years Hunt old. Hunt Fish Club, I think, yeah. is one of my favorite restaurants. Oh, thank you, York. Great steak, great yeah. atmosphere, great It's people. one of the best atmosphere. The bar is amazing. No, I mean, it's yeah. a great yeah. bar, and I, I think that's yeah. a home run, and I, I tell everybody to go there because yeah, I think it it's fabulous. Yeah, it works. I mean, it's it's. I think we're one of the better places in Midtown. Uh, it, we're going to be five years old. Don't cheapen on the steak, right? I don't, buddy. Because there's don't. a joint in yeah. Hamptons I'm not going to say. I used to go, and then all of a sudden they cheapen on the steak. Is he eating friggin' rubber? I don't mind spending the money, but I want to be able to chew the steak. And you see people try to cut. You don't cut... Uh, you, you know, you don't cut a quality. You can't do that. Because people just will say, fuck it. I'm not going to eat there because they're charging me yeah. this kind of money. I'm not getting a good steak. You know, I went in with uh, Jack with the Wolfgang. Yeah. Now, Wolfgang I met back in the 70s during the sure. blackout of 77. I met Wolfgang and uh, the old uh, Peter Lugas in Brooklyn during the riots of 77 blackout. And also, Yankees, I was there when that guy yeah, hit Reggie. three home runs yeah, with Charlie Camello, yeah. sitting in Charlie's seats when uh, that guy Reggie Jackson yeah, hit course. the three home runs. Yeah. But I'm Mr. Sure, October. It's all around the same time, so I remember yeah. distinctly. And then uh, Wolfgang opened up a place uh, called uh, Wolfgang. Wolfgang's. Yeah, yeah. and uh, Jack Morris, my my partner there, the construction guy, he opened one up in Somerset, and I'm, I got 5%, but... Honestly, I've never seen a penny, but they're doing very well. And it's great steak, but it's a great quality steak awesome. that you can't yeah. get in a regular steakhouse in New Jersey. You go to Wolfgang's and you get an age, you get the same steaks as Peter Luger. Say no more. Yeah, Wolfgang's so, a great product. But that's the point. The point of that whole yeah. conversation was you keep the quality of the product yeah. up there. And that's so, so important. Mm -hmm. Then I never got asked with the famous Rayo sauce that uh -huh. I was there. I think I brought more people to Rayo's, the most famous for no Warren question. Buffett, Bill Gates. No Every actor in the world, we casted good foes out of there with Scorsese. Leonardo DiCaprio. Everybody in the world. Street. And never, ever. When they were doing the sauce, when they first started, because I learned how to cook yeah. watching Annie Rayo, and and, yeah. and, and and I learned how to actually cook from there. And I, my life was Rayo's. When, when it burnt down that time, Frankie said, you know, Bo, I'm not going to open it back up. There was like threats going back. And I said, no, Frankie, this ain't just your restaurant. This is my home. Yeah. I From my 22nd birthday, I was going there as a cop, and it was my life, my home, Christmas Eve's and everything. It's a remarkable, magical place. But, uh, you know, when we lost Frankie, we lost a lot. I don't know if it ever could be the same without Frankie, because Frankie was one of the most How, how different is it now? I it, it, well, you know, Carlo, can you invite uh, my it's friend? It's like, here? you know, yeah, sure. But it's it's not the same with the, Frankie was such a yeah, the singing, and here's what, yeah. I I did a, uh, a eulogy at his funeral and yeah. I said, you know what Rayos Rayos has been around 120 years, 
It was around during the 20s, 30s, 40s, all the gangsters. Lucky Luciano used to go there, the uh, Flying Dutchman. Everything was there. Nobody else was in the place. But then it went through, and then the 50s came, and the 60s. All of a sudden, around 1972, 73, this guy came in there, and he was a singer. And he said, my Aunt Anna is one of the owners. I'm going to bartend. I'm staying for two weeks. And the guy never left. That's Frankie. Make the long story short, what happened was he is the one that brought it all about. Yeah. And then we had Gail Green in there. And I say it's like the dark ages. And then all of a sudden, Michelangelo, Leonardo da Vinci, that was Frankie, an artist, singer, actor, entrepreneur, politician. He was the people's person. You had problems, anybody who had financial problems, go to Frank. Frankie would take care of the little guys. Yeah. He was... One of my, another one of my closest friends. I had a, I've been having a bad batting average here with friends. Taking nine. the pipe, really. Yeah. I lost my best friend, my brother, only four months ago. Yeah. But, uh, you know, but Frankie was Rails. I, you know, I go up there tonight on Thursday nights. People think that it's great. But it ain't as great without Frankie there. And I always yeah. say that. So let's get back to you. But you know, more. you know, though, I do want to talk about that. Uh, because it's a funny thing, because people, oh, sorry, people ask me why Destino didn't work the way it was. Because you would think, you know, and by the way, Timberlake was involved in that. And they, they asked me why, you know, you had the head chef from Rayos. It's a year to get into Rayos. Why didn't it? Yeah. And you I, I can, the, yeah. you could see the truth only, you only, you only know what the truth is after the fact, right? The truth was Rayos is more than just those meatballs. And it's more than just of the, course. the lemon chicken. See, there's, there's a magic there. There's a chemistry there. There's a magic there. It was Frankie singing. It is Bo and all of his showmanship and, and his wonderful guests. And it is, it's the environment. And it's the fact that it is at the end of that street in the middle of Harlem. And it's, there's so many things that make Rayo's Rayo's. Yeah, and it's and like, they, and that's, that's. They, and they tried with Vegas. Right. And they opened up in LA. And, and by the way, they, they, they're tremendously successful. And oh, listen, they're, they're it's, still, it's still good in Beverly Hills and everything. Is it, is it the same? Listen. You can't recreate magic. Magic is a gi- magic is a gift that's from the God. Word I like about it's the truth. Rios. It's magic. Yeah, magic is a gift from God. You can't recreate it. Somehow, some we all do certain things in our lives. If we're lucky enough to hit magic, whether that's in sports, whether that's in whatever it is we do, if we're lucky enough to get there by, like in the restaurant business, it's it's a variety of layers, right? Yeah, so let's talk about that because yeah. New York City is a notoriously competitive right. place. People that you know. The people that are going to the restaurants are very picky. Sure. You have rising rent. You have increasing costs. Hardest uh, market in the world for restaurants. Hardest market in the world. Like, I think it's something like 50% fail. 90-something percent. 90-something percent. Yeah. So, wow. being yeah. like you've learned from failures and stuff like that, sure. what do you think goes into making a restaurant successful? Like, what do you need to do? And we discussed some of the elements, the ambiance, the uh, host, the sure. uh, food, all that kind of stuff. So what are you, in your opinion, and you, you've been very mm-hmm. successful, what, do, what does it take to make something successful? I think it's a lot of things. I think you have to start with concept, right? You have to start with concept with neighborhood, right? Is this what your neighborhood is looking for? Like you might have the greatest recipe for X. Your, your grandmother makes the greatest chicken of all time. You have to ask yourself if that works for that neighborhood. Then you have to ask yourself, is the rent sustainable for that? Then you have to say, okay, how many seats? What do I have to do to make, to make, to make that rent? How many people do I need to service this? I think I can't overcharge right. because I think people the reason away. The reason the failure rate in this industry is so high, yes, it's the hardest thing in the world to make it. Yes, I'm going to say this. I hope I don't get too many enemies. I think we have a current government in place that is 
anti-business. I think they make things very difficult for us. I think they should embrace us more. I think they should embrace the business and, and the culture that we bring. Um, oh, that well, was one of the platforms that I really appreciated in your mayoral campaign. And I would have supported you no matter what. But the fact that that was so important to you was very important to me. So to be successful, again, it's another thing. It's magic. It's, it's luck. You can, we can all say whatever we want. Luck plays a part in it. Because sometimes you do, you know, I was at a restaurant. I, I walked by a restaurant just recently right near the White Horse. Uh, it was called Gunther Seeger. And it won, Gunther is one of the most important chefs in history. And it won a Michelin star, which is, wow, that's, that's the Oscars big. of food. And it went out of business after three years. So I have no doubt the food was fantastic. But for whatever reason, it didn't hit the critical mass and it didn't do enough business. Well, to you know, what comes to mind, too, is. Uh, P.J. Cox, my sure. friend uh, uh, Stephen Siegel was one of the what a great one place, of the owners. Huh? You know, and, and chili and a hamburger, no better. And you know, I mean, it's great. I'm, I'm I haven't been able to get down to the White Horse, but I will be there as soon as next week. Right. I'm looking forward. You got the burgers going in? Come on, what? buddy. Of course, I got the burgers. Yeah, let me tell you something. The area that you're in down there is a very neighborhood type place. Yeah. And we got to be careful. We, meaning because I love you and you're part of me, yeah. we got to be careful in the sense of jacking prices up. Everyone is price conscious today. Yes. It's, yes. A, it's, it's like the cyclical. It's going now. Right. People are worried. Even in the Hamptons, you got 5,000 houses for sale. People are nervous, and if this guy doesn't get reelected, like him or not, we're going into a into a turmoil. If Trump doesn't get elected the next time, it's going to be tough. People are afraid of what's going to happen because, in the reality, everybody wants free stuff. They want to put taxes up the caboodle. You know how much we pay here in New yeah. York City. Yeah. I'm a New York City resident. Sure. We pay like two fifty, two fifty three percent. My point is. People are conscious about the nickel and dime, and that nickel and dime doesn't go mm. as far as it used to go. So, I mean, a really good hamburger should be fifteen, sixteen dollars. That's what for we charge. Really, we charge well, that's $16. what it should be. Yeah. But in reality, some of these people will, uh, will uh, have their incomes. They're worried about paying their rents. That's something you got to walk a tightrope. You it's can't hard. go too high, otherwise you'll lose the. I'd rather have that regular person going yeah. in there. You, know? you have to walk that line of realizing you can only pass on so much of your expenses to the consumer. Yeah, it, it, it's still a hamburger, right? It can't be unfair. It can't yeah. be a $30 item. It just can't be. You, no. can't, you can't do it. So and forget about the uh, truffle and the burger. No, I don't do and that. all that crap. No, because you know that. what, a burger is a burger, and um, that's it. I nice crispy that. French fries. Stay with the basics. I like. I'm a purist that. guy. I don't do that. I don't do the aiolis. I don't. Yeah, I, yeah. I that's think a, all a burger bullshit. should be a pure item. Yeah, I, I agree. I'm with you. you. Want to throw stuff on it? Throw stuff. Yeah. Well, we do go a little cheddar cheese and bacon. I like a little bit. I like American myself. Yeah. But, uh, I like a blue cheese burger. I think well, I see. That's a little too. That's funky for me. Yeah, it's a little too. You know, you want to? I eat blue cheese on my. Freaking Listen, the, the White Horse is a very important project. So, yeah, I just took over that space. I'm the fourth owner in history. It's the second oldest pub in the history of New York. Uh, since, when was since it built? 1880. Wow. 1880. So it's obviously it's famous. I'm going next week. I, I'd love to have. You should go every week. This should be your rails. By well, maybe it may, it may it become. Be. May, how far be. is it from my office? Five what minutes. streets it on? Hudson Street. 567 Hudson, Hudson and 11th. Hudson and 11th yeah, Street? Yeah, the biggest outdoor cafe in the city. I'm going next week, man. I love it. I Make love sure it. You, you pop me in there when I'll bring somebody cool yeah. with me. So okay? the famous poet Dylan Thomas, this was his, his favorite pub. One night, unfortunately, he had uh, either 16 or 18 shots, depending on who you believe. He went home and died. But 
This was, was shots. Mean he got shot in the head? No, no, no. Yeah. Shots. Uh, whiskey. Oh, whiskey. 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 Anybody killed Welsh there or anything like that? Not that I know of. Wouldn't surprise me, but not that I know. Of. Okay, you Jim Morrison the loved you it there. Look the I looked in the basement. I didn't find the bodies. They must no have moved. Bullet holes done. There's one. In, on. There's one in the window. Come on, we there gotta, is one we in the window. Start a story. I'll bring people in. Yeah, <laughs> no, there's a lot of history that you don't even need to make anything there's, up. There's yeah. a lot. Who else were some of the Jim Morrison, J- uh, Jack Kerouac, Bob Dylan. Well, Bob Dylan. Bob Dylan's hero was Dylan Thomas. He named himself. Bob Dylan was Robert Zimmerman when he was born. He named himself after Dylan Thomas, who was his favorite poet. Great history. Yeah, and that's the same bar, and it's 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 a landmark pub. It's one of two landmarks. So give us a little bit of what your menu like. Did you change it? I did change it. Having okay, said so that, give us, give us we still stuff. have a burger. We still have a couple, some wonderful salads. We're going to have a steak on the menu. It's, it's going to be simplicity. You got chili? I don't have chili. Chili's a good thing. Chili's a good thing. I don't have Not chili. In the summer. It's summer. We have, we have great. I like friggin' chili. Well, then we're okay. going to have chili then. Uh, we have a great selection of beers. We have a, a first-class cocktail team. My chef just got two stars from the New York Times in the last place great. he was at. So it's going to be great food, but it's going to be great pub food. It's, it's going to be elevated, but it's going to be pub food. It's not going to lose what it's supposed to be. This is still the White Horse Tavern. It's still. Oh, we're going to pump this up. Yeah. How many followers? We got 35,000? Yeah. Get yeah. it out there. Meet the bow at the White Horse Tavern. That's it. It should be Thursdays at Rayo's and Wednesdays at the Tavern. Yeah, you know that could that could that be. Should, you that's want where to know you something? Be. That could be a very nice orientation. Yes, yes, yes. You, me, and Gary V. We'll sit yeah, there and we'll sit on the patio together. He was he with is. me in uh, yeah, I know, the salt. Vegas. I know. That Gary Ville, the Gary V and the other guy there. What was his name? The guy we were trying to track down. Which one? The the guy uh, is worth fifty. Mooch. Uh, no, <laughs> the guy who was the. Uh, uh, he's the he's the manager for all the oh Scooter Braun Scooter Braun Scooter's the best yeah I know Scooter since he is he was a, a kid really since, absolutely he done very well for himself better than Ben by the way I'm so proud of him smart I'm so smart. proud Scooter used to be he, he tells people this story he used to be the kid that would come to my club and he'd be at the door and he'd go I'm I you know I I was the guy in the Ludacris video and he knew I was friends with Ludacris and I would I'd let him he was just a nice guy. And he, the funny thing is when he started doing really well, we ran into each other at this club. And he's with a group of people. And everyone, now he's on top of the world. Everyone's kissing his ass. And he's sitting there. He goes, you know what? He goes, this guy was nice to me and treated me well when I was the kid out front of the club. And I'd taken off my baseball cap and he'd walk by. And he was always so nice to me. I'm so proud of Scooter. Scooter is seriously one of the most important people in entertainment right now. Wow. That's big yeah. to say. That's and big. I remember. Well, I get that from a lot of, I get that a lot of, from my generation. Mm-hmm. even have the respect for Scooter. You know, oh, yeah. He's a lot younger, but he's got that respect well, with everybody. Well, he's top artist. Right? Forgetting, and all that's true, he's also done a lot for charity. This is a guy who's raised yeah. tens of millions of dollars yeah, for charity. Yeah, there was something that somebody came to me. The thing for Texas, me. that disaster in Texas, he raised well, a ton you know, of money Well, somebody came to me with that, some guy from Israel, mm-hmm. a rabbi came to me and had this idea about credit cards as far as giving a certain amount to helping people all over the world. Yeah. We still might follow through. I, I like doing nice things. You know, in reality, if, if you can help people, that's a tremendous thing because well, is, we've been what, very, what is, very what is, what is Gary always say? Doing the right thing is always the right thing? That's isn't, it. Isn't that the expression? Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So now we got the White Horse Tavern, yeah. and we're doing great with our uh, with the Scaramucci restaurant over yeah, there. Yeah, thank God. Hunting Fish is great. Hunting Fish is Pizzeria doing great. is doing great. How is there a, a little bit of a controversy about the White Horse Tavern? Because you're ob- yeah. obviously, you know, the controversy you is three. Controversy no, we could do no, because Well, he's, he's talking about the White Horse, not pizza. I so know. We, the reason is because they've had 
only a few owners in history. The fear was that I would change things. That's that's the reason. They were afraid that I was going to turn it. I wrote you a letter you about, your, about you your character. You did. You wrote me a beautiful letter. I, I went in front of the community board, uh, and I spoke, and I, I said, listen, I don't want you to be afraid of this. The reason I'm doing this is because I'm so a New Yorker. So it get shut down. And, and, and it would have. It absolutely would have. And then it would be opened up uh, something weird. It, it, and by the way, it would have been a Dwayne Reed or a Chase or something. We would have lost another amazing New York institution. That was a great point. Like Carnegie Deli and like so many other wonderful places that meant so much to New York. So I, I did this coming from a pure place, and I wanted them to understand that. A lot of them still are skeptical. But I think, you know, if you go there and you see it now, and you'll see I haven't made any changes. I've just fixed what needed to be fixed. I have a menu that represents what the white horse is. And I'm there because I'm a great New Yorker, and I love New York. And this is one of the most important taverns in the history of New York. But that was the controversy. They were scared that I was going to turn into kind of like the Hunt and Fish Club, like an upscale, mm. upscale steak place. Well, and I had no, right, right, and I had no intention of doing mm. that. So Hey, I got an idea for you. My favorite pastrami in the whole world, bar none, is cats. Cats is cats great. Deli. I'm a Carnegie guy, but cats well, is great. Carnegie ain't there anymore. I know. It breaks cats my heart. Cats is still there. Yeah. And you know they do actually able you to buy that gold belly to buy the yeah. food. Yeah. What a great idea for the White House. Get the burgers, a cat's yeah. pastrami sandwich or call me sandwich. I would love that. We'll do, we'll Bo, we'll do Bo's on. famous chili. Yeah. We'll sell it on Gold Belly. Oh, no, we get it, we get it going, <laughs> right? Yeah. But, uh, you know, so now you're you're still doing the memorabilia stuff, too? I, You know, my partners handle that. Yeah. I, I still have, have investments in that business. No, I'm all about the restaurants All now. about the that's, restaurants. That's, that's what I and do. And when did you see my most famous, I love my greatest entertainer, who are we talking about, Mr. Timberlake? Of course. I on. saw him last, uh, the last day of his tour uh, was in uh, Mohegan Sun. I uh, just finished his Man of the Woods tour, which was tremendous. You and I went to see a show together on in the Philly. last tour. Yeah. Absolutely. You know what, Carlo? One of the nicest guys in the world. Yeah. No bullshit backstage. Class, class. Yeah, All I can talk about is Justin Timberlake. I, he performs like... Nobody else. He dances like no one else. He sings. He brings the crowd to their feet. This is one of the top entertainers there is out there today. Yeah. You could take them all. You put. You got to put them right at the top. And I'll look forward to seeing them again, meeting them. What are you? Yeah, he's great. He get his ass up the rails with his, with his love. He'd life. love it. He'd absolutely love Hook it. Look it up with Carla. Yeah. We'll get a date when he's going to be in town. Say, Bo would love to take He'd love his it. wife. He's a there. big fan of places like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll do that. We'll yeah, do that. he would yeah. love that. Yeah. He really would. You keep in touch with Andy at all? I do not. Frankly, I'm ashamed of myself. Not as often as I should, but yeah, I do. I, I yeah. keep in touch with the sons. I talk to Sal, Sal and John. Yeah. yeah, yeah. This is Camilla. Yeah, and uh, and he had three. Had, has three sons. Yeah. And Annie Camilla is Charlie Camilla's wife, who we love very, very yeah. much. But you know what? I really, really. Thank you for coming. Oh, thank because you, buddy. I, We've been trying to get you pleasure. for a while. We've oh, been I'm, trying to I'm get, thrilled. We had some heavy duties here, so you're right amongst you're the heavy people. duties. Um, who, who are some of your favorite guests you guys have had? I saw you had Frank Pinello from uh, oh, yeah, Best Pizza. By the way, he's a great, great guy in the pizza community. Oh, the pizza guy? I'm a big fan yeah. of his. Yeah, he's yeah, awesome. Yeah, he, he's good. Some of our favorite guests, oh, had Ken Langone, how okay. he started Home Depot. Kenny's great. Yeah, who else, Bo? Yeah, my buddy Danny uh, A up here. That's a great Danny one. Danny A, he's like, that's right. a great he one. just spoke to me yesterday. Yeah. He's got his his a new movie. movie. Did you see the trailer? From Mobb on, on the Mobb one? That's going to be great. Unbelievable. going to be great. And, David uh, Arquette. David Arquette. David's another We've great had guy. him on our yeah, show. Sure, sure. Yeah, sure. Chuck Zito's a great guest. Yeah, Chuck Zito's awesome. a great, great Paulie guest. Paulie Malignaggi's a great mm -hmm. guest. 
Paulie Malinaggi, yeah. the boxer. You guys Who else? We, we've had a we, Come on. A lot. We, Geraldo Rivera's been on the show. Sean Hannity. I mean, we yeah, had Great a, people. Oh, no, no. We had a, a, it's The a, Mighty Mooch was up here. Oh, the Mooch is good. We're going <laughs> to reel him back in. I, I don't think there's anyone smarter on economics or anything as the Mooch. He's the a Mooch sharp, sharp guy. is the smartest guy yeah. I've ever met on all aspects of, of of statistics and stuff. Boom, boom, boom. You boom. and I go back with him before he was the mooch, before all this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. You know, well, he was he, just a banker. Yeah. Yeah. I go back when he first started the yeah. uh, uh, Skybridge Capital. And uh, I love the mooch. I'm glad he straightened his act out. You know, he was, <laughs> well, he was wavering a little bit there. Wow. And I said to him, listen to me, in life, and I did tell him, and I'll say right in front of his face, in life, things, some things are more important than other things. Sure. And family you have two young children now. Yeah. That's more important than all this other bull crap. And you got to reel yourself in. Yeah. All this other stuff will be gone tomorrow, but your family will be there forever. And you got to remember that. You know, but every every real- one of us at some point in our life loses track of ourselves. Yeah. Well. You know. All I know is I'm the I'm the ex detective cop that made probably at least a hundred million and pissed it away, gambling, every aspect yeah. of negatives of life. But, you know, I never quit. I just keep on rolling. Yeah. And I keep on coming back, charging back. And I'll never stop. I'll never quit. And that's the whole thing about whether you be a restaurant owner, whatever you do, you got to keep at it. No question. You got to make it the best. And that's all. That's way, so bro. what we do is every week we do something that's bothering you, like yeah. a punk of the week. Okay. We call it punk of the week. What is bothering you now that you got your license yeah. with the White Horse or the that's not bothering you anymore. Mm-hmm. What is the thing that really affects you the most this week? Oh, my gosh. Uh, I, I Honestly, I'm pretty happy. I can't really think of anything that's that's upsetting me this week. I should have more time to think about it. Yeah. Carla, what I'm about happy. you? Get off the phone. What, yeah. Oh, you um, pick one out on the phone? Yeah, no. I, I just wanted to make sure the story was straight. So I want to call out the punk fan in uh, – California, who pushed uh, Kyle Lowry at the NBA Finals last night? That's oh. a real punk. Yeah, it was stupid. Punk move. Carl, you see, you bring up shit that I don't. Even, I don't even know about. Well, that. Toronto Raptors player Kyle Lowry, yeah. who I went to school with at Villanova, is uh, all star player. And some fan shoved him. Really? Some jerk. Well, my punk of the week is uh, Charlene McRae, the first lady of New York City. Who can't explain the last two hundred and fifty million dollars that were ear, was earmarked for mental health to help people with mental health issues, and she doesn't know where the money went. I think it's total about eight hundred million dollars. What I do is I call upon the U.S. Attorney Southern District investigator, investigator, because if I stole that money, you'd be cuffing me. And I got a double punk of the week. The other punk of the week is this Central Park Five. The real story is not on Netflix. I know for a fact. I spoke to the DA, Linda Fairstein. I talked to all the detectives, my ex-partners, of what really happened. We had a thing called wild, Wilding in 1989. That was a big thing. People you couldn't about go that. into Central Park. These five punks robbed no less than six people, smashed a guy with a lead pipe over his head. They robbed people of bikes. They're not as innocent as you as you think. The only redeeming factor that they had was this little guy, Reyes, when she was laying there, he raped her. So his DNA was in her. So then they let him out of jail. My point is sometimes things are not what they seem. They were not five innocent little boys. And I called upon Cy Vance to take the evidence that is there 
Right now, we have what they call touch DNA. If I touch you now, my DNA's on you. Back then, we didn't have DNA. I call upon him, and I'll pay the money for it. Let's look at the evidence to see if any of these five people have their DNA on any of her clothing or any of the stuff that they use for evidence. That's all. And if it's not there, I'll give them more money, and I'll apologize to each one. I will guarantee you they have their DNA off of that woman that was beat almost to death. So they're my punks of the week until we could prove otherwise. If we could prove that they weren't there, I'll apologize to them. But I'll guarantee you, I'm a detective my whole life, and I know what I see with these five guys. And they were out there robbing people, verified. That's why they went to jail. Now they do movies, and they make everyone look like they're innocent little uh, boys making their communion. That pisses me off. And that's my punks of the week. Fair enough. All right. All right. So, Aton, where can people find you online? How can people find your restaurants, find you? Uh, well, you can see me at the White Horse Tavern. I'll be there a lot, 567 Hudson. If I'm not there, I'll be at the Hunt and Fish Club, 44th Street. If I'm not there, I'm off in a Made in New York pizza. And you can always follow me on Instagram, boy from New York City. All right. There you have it. Uh, you can find us. We're on social media. We're at One Tough Podcast on Twitter. Bo is at Bo Deedle on Twitter and at the Real Bo Deedle on Instagram. You could find me. I'm CJ Coutinho on all platforms. You could also uh, send us an email. Any questions or guest suggestions you have, send to One Tough Podcast at gmail.com, and we read each and every one of them. Thanks a lot for listening. And I welcome everybody. I'll be. I think. What do I got Wednesday night? Call. I'm pretty clear. I think I'll be at the White Horse Tavern. You want to whack me? Come see me at the White Horse Tavern. We'll see you next Wednesday. Hey, we could make the place like famous, like Spark. Try not to miss him and hit me, though, okay? <laughs> Thanks so All much. Right. Thanks, Thanks so guys. much to Eton Sugarman for being here. Uh, we'll see you next week. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.